This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! I'm all right. I'm hanging in there. I'm all right. (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, before we get going, I I must commend your parody account on social media. They've been having a great time in the last uh, week or so in the name of Paul Caddis. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Just to confirm, it's definitely not me. Uh, But I've heard that somebody sent me a picture three or four months ago, and then Will, the media at Swindon, had mentioned it to me, and but no, it's definitely not me. But I have seen some pictures. It's quite funny. I think the 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 team for the other side are taking the bait a bit. Aren't they? I think that what the kids say is rattled, um, and it fully yeah. has rattled a fair share of Oxford fans. I mean, at the time of recording, uh, Blackpool have just beaten Oxford at the Kassam three 0 and I, I'm, I'm thinking about last year. And given where you know you're based in the northwest, how come you weren't linked to Blackpool last year? I was, I was actually on my way there about five, six years ago before, from Swindon, believe it or not, actually, I was, when I had left to go to Birmingham, uh, they had agreed a deal with Blackpool, but something just told me I didn't fancy it, uh, but no, they're, they're only literally a mile, two miles from me, so uh, delighted they got a good result tonight. Oh, absolutely, okay. So, as I said to you before we started recording, I haven't really got a plan 
for this conversation. So I, I hope I don't miss anything out. What, what we'll do is we'll just go through the season and any anything that, yeah. you know, you can explain or anything will be great. I, I kind of want to start at the trophy presentation. Let's start on a positive. But did it, did it feel like that day was the, the, the day the band broke up, so to speak? At the time, obviously, I was I was close with Owen Doyle, so I knew what what Doyle's plans were. Doyle wanted to stay, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't transpire. So I didn't know that Doyle was going to Bolton. Uh, but no, you never really think about that at the time. You just think that you're obviously buzzing that you've just won the trophy. You're all together and the great camaraderie last year with the the, the boys were brilliant. The great squad, obviously, good management as well, and. We, uh, no, you don't really think of that, to be honest. It's not until probably the first day of pre-season that you think, well, we're, I'll be honest, I thought, in my opinion, I thought we were... Worst team's harsh. I don't mean that on the players, but I thought we were not as good this year in a better league than what we were last year. So, yeah. Read what you want into that, that's, that was just my opinion. I thought we were probably a bit weaker this year than what we were last year. And bearing in mind, we, were, we went up a division, so... Mm. There's definitely been a discussion um, since the season's ended that we went into a League One season with a weaker side and given that we'd lost, you know, the goals, kind of inevitable, wasn't it, really? Yeah. No, it was, it was, uh, but that's not me being critical on the players that we brought in, just the, the lads we had here last year, like we just seen Jerry Yates there, we just seen Doyle, like you said, the goals were, were out of our team and going into pre-season we didn't have the likes of Brett Pittman or... I think we brought Tyler Smith in, maybe Nuneaton away, I think was his first game. So it was, uh, we only really had him at that point. We made Hallam hope, but Hallam was playing off the left at times. So, yeah, we, uh, we were a bit weak at the start of pre-season anyway. Yeah. How do you think pre-season went? Were there were any like red flags or alarm bells at that stage? Or did you think that, you know, Richie had a plan and all was well at that point? Well, we always had a plan, there's no doubt about that. Always had a plan with, with Richie Wellens. We we knew what we what our jobs were and what was expected of us. Uh so we always had that. But no, I don't think we were too worried. Maybe the obviously we got off to a good start and then we uh, we had a, a difficult few games. We went away to Blackpool second game, I think, and then we played Peterborough that month and whatever it was close by anyway. So it was a difficult it was an up and down start, but never, uh, never completely worried to think that the way it was going to go. Yeah, yeah, it, it was kind of win at home, lose away to start with, and it was very, you know, fresh out of League Two form. There was definitely no concerns at all. And for yourself, you you start the season as a regular as well, so you know things were all okay as far as you were concerned. <laughs> I was going to talk about your form throughout the season. I don't think it's fair to just say, how are you feeling at this point? How are you feeling at that point and that? I mean, you, by your own standards, would agree with what many of the fans would say, that this year wasn't your greatest year performance-wise. No. What, no. what do you think, like, broad strokes across the season, why do you think that was? Uh, listen, when you, when you start trying to divulge into why you've had a bad season, it, it comes across as an excuse, but for me, I've, I've played 15, 16 years pro in front of supporters and I'm the kind of player that feeds off home fans and away fans. I like, I like that buzz and 
believe it or not, I think this year has probably been easier for younger inexperienced players because, and it's easy for everyone to say, oh, the older lads have got to get, get the younger boys going, etc. But it's that old one who motivates the motivator. So you're walking down the tunnel and it's like a big sponge. You walk onto the pitch and there's no atmosphere. It's it's just got such a pre-season feel. But my, I'm the first one to admit, you know that yourself. I, I, I'm very honest with myself. Uh, I was poor throughout the season, to be honest. There's, there's not many games I could look back and say I've done well. Uh, what was that down to? I don't know. Probably the first time in my career, especially after, after uh, Wellens had left. Probably confidence. Probably the first time in my full career that I thought, I wasn't as confident as I should have been. And once you lose your confidence, it doesn't matter what you've got. It's, it's, it's tough to get back up. Yeah, and, and like you said, this is the first time in, in your career that you've, you've suffered from confidence. But you would have helped young players, you know, equivalents yeah. over the years in relation to um, confidence. Is it kind of hard to take your own advice in that respect? You know, because I'm sure that you've, you've told people. Yeah, as listen, I, I tried as often as possible to forget about myself and try and help younger lads and, and the lads around about me and as I said it's that one who motivates the motivator it's knowing full well that I was, wasn't was confident myself but the one thing I've done and I'm sure every manager I've worked under is will say the same I always gave everything in training I always tried to get my way tried to pick my confidence back up by by just doing the basics that's what I knew best was working hard every day in training and but it's, it got to a game, and and uh, as I said, when when Wellens had left, it was it was difficult, very difficult. Yeah, I mean Richie left. Well, he wasn't in the dugout for the game Plymouth, was he? When we uh, went there, and I think um, I think you might have scored in his last home game, didn't you? Um, against that Apple. was uh, he, he still wasn't there actually. Was he still able he, at that point? Yeah, it was uh, oh. Hunty and Tommy. And was he was he self isolating at that stage though? So Tommy and Hunty had to do ten days, and the gaffer had to do two weeks. So Wellens wasn't there until his first day back was meant to be Plymouth away the Tuesday night, but Hunty and Tommy took the Saturday game. Did we play Hull wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I scored that game actually. I uh, I still criticise myself for their goal actually, but that's just the things I always do I always try and put myself in the position that can I do something better I think if we'd done that as a team this year we, we might have been a bit better if just thought at times we were, we were a bit selfish at times as well What do you mean by selfish? Uh, I just think at times we could have probably helped each other out a bit more we uh, just on the pitch try to, try to get people through it trying to stick together but it was difficult because as I said I'm what, 33 now when, and I was lacking confidence with three, four hundred games under my belt so you just uh, wonder what, what the other lads were feeling as I said I tried we obviously tried the, the more experienced ones to try and try and lift the place but I think we, we've seen from probably mid-season that we're, we're fighting a losing battle to be honest What's it like sort of suffering from that, that sort of dip in confidence and then having to talk to the media and having to sort of say, you know, we're gutted, I didn't play well today or, or like we're going to pick ourselves up and we go again. When that is that just like making things worse for you mentally at that stage? Well, there was a point where every game we could beat, it was, I, was, I was asked to do the media. Steve Anderson had, had said to Wilkin, 
just because I think I always came across as level-headed, etc., and I would never be too up, too high, never be too low. But there was one game actually. I think I think I done it three or four in a row, and the BBC actually eventually said to me, "Why, why are you always doing the press when we lose?" So, and I was like, "Well, I'm just doing what I'm told. Not doing what I'm told. I'm just trying to take it away from everybody else." But uh, listen, there's so much as as you know, there's so much you you want to say, but you know you can't. At the end of the day, uh, what's that saying? You don't don't bite the hand that feeds you. So. Yeah, well, so much you can say, but you know you you know you can't. Would would you say that's poss- possibly the reason why, for example, yourself and club captain Dion Conroy, and then later on it was like Lee Camp. Yeah. The the pros. I'm not saying that the other guys are the pros, but if there are a few individuals in that team, if you put them in front of a you know a microphone, they might not sort of like a <laughs> might not might not see line. them in the Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right, and I understand it from from the club point of view. But I was suffering at the time as well, so it was difficult for me. And I remember one one game I came out the I think it was a Doncaster game, and I was I was terrible. I, was, I wasn't great for I think two of the goals, and and I put my hands up straight away when I came out saying I could do better. And and I know I could have done better, but I know the second goal I think was Taylor Curran. I think down at the back post, but. I just tried to take it all on myself and try and like swerve away from from everyone because I knew like otherwise we'd be getting criticised. And I was I was hoping that the criticism would come my way so that I could I knew how to deal with it. First of all, I don't know social media, so I would never see it if you know what I mean. And whereas young lads these days are on social media and it's tit for tat with arguing back, and so I just I tried my best to try and. Is it leadership? I don't know if it's leadership, but I just try to try to take the criticism off off the rest of the dressing room at times. And John Sheridan actually pulled me that the, the next morning and said, "Why, why are you blaming yourself for the goals?" And I just said, "Like, first of all, I thought I could have done better because that's what I do." And he's like, "But you shouldn't come out and and blame yourself and all this." But that's just how it is. Yeah, interesting. I guess that's another example of why you want fans in the ground because you know if you are, if you, especially if you're not on social media, you get a real sort of gauge of where the fans are mentally with you by just calling out, you know, number two Paul Caddis, and depending on how high that cheer is, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, I know, I know. Another reason you're right. There's, <laughs> listen, there's plenty of reasons why why are the light coming. When you, when you talk about your confidence, was it was it already dipping when Richie Wellens was was still at the club? Was was it already suffering? Maybe late on, I had a couple of dodgy games. Maybe late on, it's listen. I've always been a seven out of ten. I'm I'm very rarely a six, and I'm very rarely an eight. I've always had that consistency in my game, and I've never. If I have one game where I'm a six, I know the next game I'm a seven. I'm guaranteed. I'm just. I've went through my full career. Just been steady and reliable nothing special nothing great nothing terrible but when you get two or three games where you think I was five today I was a three today I was and you get that, that couple of games that you've been poor you you do start to to lose confidence naturally I just think that's a natural thing to do but uh, I tried time after time to get it to get it going again and then it came around about January the start of uh, the end of the transfer window the uh, the club off the club tried to pay me up, tried to get me out, uh, which obviously again wasn't great for Constance. But uh, 
I didn't accept it. I, they tried to pay my contract up, and I, and I, I, we didn't come to an agreement, so so I stayed. But I missed about. I wasn't in the squad for about seven, eight, nine games in about January, start February. Yeah, you um you play the home game against Doncaster, and then you're out of action. Or you're back in the squad in early Feb, and then and then you, I think you come on against Portsmouth. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you, you you sort of jumped ahead to that January. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it now. There's no problem. This is a rambling. It's not a linear conversation. So yeah, I mean that's something that wasn't out and about really um, or at all during January, and that was that they were very keen to get you out of the. Um, out of the club. Was there a reason for that though? Uh, listen, John Shedden was a manager at the time, obviously, and he was he was honest as as you know, as was as honest as he came and he just said that obviously we had we had Freeman, we'd obviously brought Freeman in at that time. We'd Hunty, we had a couple of full backs, uh, and I wasn't playing and the conversation was had that uh, they'd be willing to pay my contract up. They offered me a few things and I rejected them. And it got to literally the last day of the window and Freeman had left. But I also had a conversation, sorry, I'm skipping on past that. So when I did come back in the squad against Portsmouth, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there was a there was a period where I only played home games, regardless yeah. of the result. So I was told that I was only going to play home games for which... I didn't, I didn't understand because you seemed we'd get more of the ball at home and stuff like that. Wanted my quality on the ball, but it seemed to be with more of the ball away from home, to be honest. But it was just, uh, just one of many crazy things. Yeah, I think Tommy Wright might have said in the press. Maybe Sheridan said that we like, uh, we like Paul playing in the home games, and you know, football's football, right? I'm sure the dimensions change by a few feet here or there or whatever. Yeah. Did they did they explain why they wanted you gone? Um, or was it just simply we don't fancy you then, yeah? I think it was simply we've got fullbacks, we don't need you. Okay. And it's as simple as that. And you know, respectfully, and you don't have to answer this. Why why didn't you accept accept it? Did you not have any options or did you just want to sort of keep your head down and, and sort of try and keep Swindon? Uh, uh, yeah, a couple of things. I, I had options. I had I had one very close to home, for instance, very close to home, without going into detail. Uh, but and obviously, I'm, I've spent what, th- three, four nights a week down in Swindon, away from my, my partner and kids. So it would have been very easy to do that. But I've got a connection to the club that I respect and I cherish, and I just thought walking away has not really been in my that's not really part of my makeup, and I, I just thought if I continue to train because there was a time where I wasn't in the squad for eight nine games. I was still training regularly, and John Sheridan had, would, would like make a point of it by saying that I'm literally driving the group and training and working hard and just trying to keep everyone on their toes. But that was me not in the squad. But I don't know anything else, and I, I did when I spoke to John Sheridan and. I had said, listen, I've not agreed anything. I want to stay. And I said, but you know, I won't be a bad egg as such. I won't be throwing my toys out of the pram. I'll, I'll get on with it if I get back in. But I won't. if I don't, then I won't be a hindrance. I'll be I'll be a help more than anything. And, and he did respect that. And he, he, he seen that. 
and I managed to get myself back in. But but no, to answer your question, I, I didn't want to leave that simply up because I want to stay and try and get back in the team and try and try and leave my mark in a positive way. Yeah, and and you have to forgive me if if I get my history wrong here because you know we have several to and fros on a regular basis. But I'm right in saying they they even asked you to not attend training at one point, didn't they? Uh, no. I don't. Oh no, there was a point, yeah, there was a point where obviously by then I was, the club were in talking with me, so there was a point where John Sheridan had said that I could spend a few days at home with my family and that was nothing like, it was never a, you've Calm got down. to stay away. Yeah, it was never that, it was more a, a respect, like the manager had made it clear, it was more a respect for a senior player, like I'm not going to play, but if I want to continue training then then fine, but the days are there if you want to spend more time at home, etc. But no, it was never, sorry, you're right, but it was never in a, it wasn't in a bad way. No, no, no. Um, okay, I mean, a lot of people will, you know, want to know about the John Sheridan era, even if you weren't one of the sort of worse off during that time. Um, Tyler Smith has come out and said his bit. Uh, Dion Conroy's come out and said his bit. <laughs> I think, I think, although, you know, it's nice to sort of dish the dirt, say some gossip, blah, blah, blah. You, you say what you need to say, but I do think it, it is really useful, especially within the current climate of Swindon Town, that we just get a perspective of what it was like and the inside. Because from the outside, you hear all sorts of stuff and it sounds like a bloody nightmare. Um, whether that's down to John Sheridan or not, I don't know. But the environment at the time was was seemed very, very toxic. And we, we are, as fans, supporting a club at the moment where nothing is being said, possibly fair enough. You know, it, yeah. it, it, the, the shutters have gone down at the county ground. We're not, we're not hearing much. This was a really, for a fan, it was a really tough time, a stressful time to follow the club. What was it like from within, as an observer and somebody who was experiencing it? Yeah, there's no two ways about it. It was it was extremely difficult. Listen, losing games of football was difficult, but the the way it was at the time wasn't wasn't ideal. And listen, I've got full respect for every manager I've ever worked under, and as a, a man, I got on really well with with John Sheridan. Uh, but I think there was a lot more going up, going on upstairs as as it's obviously came out now. There was just little things started to creep in. We're we're getting lunch every day, and then that was stopped. We're only getting it the day before a game, and then we wasn't getting that at all. We just loads of little things that just started to mount up that we felt at times as players we weren't given the best opportunity to win games, uh, like. Ipswich, for instance, we went away to Ipswich and won, but we travelled three and a half, four hours on a on a double-decker bus on the day of the game to get there. Do you know what I mean? Just things like that. Overnight stays were stopped, which is understandable because we're going through COVID, we get that, but close at the end of the season when we played Rochdale away, we travelled on the day, which isn't ideal preparation in my opinion. I just think that it should have been done properly. Uh Wimbledon away we travelled which isn't that far but obviously going into London on a Saturday and we were a later kick off Wimbledon wasn't we so traffic as you can imagine we, we spent four hours on the bus and this is all out with John Sheridan say this is nothing to do with the manager this is all came 
from cost cutting etc which is understandable but as players you just want to be given the best opportunity to, to, to win on the pitch and to be honest I don't think we I don't think we're best prepared off the pitch but that's what's going on behind the scenes right now it's it's not ideal it's the, the club right now have, have got an owner that I don't know if he wants to sell or doesn't want to sell we don't have we don't have a, the club don't have a manager they don't have I don't know if there's enough players to field a team it's listen there's I see it as much as obviously you do and, and it's not nice because it's obviously a club that, that means a lot to me and we don't have a we don't have a physio department, we don't have a sports science department, literally down to the bare bones, so it is it's there for it's it's tough reading, but on the flip side you, you try and stay positive as a supporter because the next person that comes in's got, got free reign of the place, hopefully, if yeah. things get sorted. Something that we all noticed as fans was that Portsmouth away, um, where we listened to John Sheridan berate the side for 90 minutes. And I, we're not precious, you know, football managers have been bollocking their players since time began. I get that. But there wasn't, there didn't seem to be much practicality or like tactical nous in it. It just seems like trying to get someone's attention and then telling them to shoot or pass, you know, which isn't really, you know, really enough. I mean, was is that an extreme case of, of what you guys experienced across your career? Or was was that, it just seemed detrimental to that game. The Swindon were flat as anything during that one. And you just listened to it all day. And that was another example where like the, the Portsmouth, side of things were saying that this was crazy so it wasn't just all in our heads and us being yeah. like as a pressure they were like this is this is insane but what's your take on from, that from a monday to friday rich you would not hear a word from john sheridan and mm. training he was very quiet just like like tommy got on with john sheridan done a lot uh, done a couple of things but on a saturday he just just came alive that was that was him i think he's openly said that on the in the press and he, uh, he's what he's what you call an old school manager. Simple. He's, uh, but do players react to that nowadays? I, I don't think so. I think uh, not just football's changed. I think society's changed. No one, no one reacts anymore to getting bollocked. Simple. Uh, when I, I always say, at my age, thirty three, probably thirty two, thirty three, is the last of the old school era. Always, it's then. The PFA got involved a lot more. Uh, social media came more and more onto the scene. So there was a lot more that you couldn't do rather than what you could do. Like back then, we used to get, when I was a youth team player at Celtic, we'd get absolutely demolished daily. But times moved on. And, and uh, as you heard, listen, that, that was him every weekend. We, uh, it wasn't enjoyable to, listen to of course it wasn't nobody wants to hear you get absolute screamed at but uh, I think there was more more than just the way John Sheridan was on a Saturday that got us that got us where we, we ended up yeah. do, you, do you think he might be missold the job a little bit because you know he, he could have stuck around at Wigan whether Wigan stay up or down it's not for us to say but you know he's rocked up he you know he's based in the north as well do you, do you think there's a chance that he might have just sat for a little while and you know, he's taken the pay. He's got to do what he's got to do. He's he's a bit of a jobbing manager now. I think that was his fourth yeah. job in a calendar year. Do you think he might have been missold it a little bit? 
he could possibly have been. Yeah, he could have. Listen, he was, he was never going to tell us that, but <laughs> yeah, why why would he not? Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. But we, uh, I remember when when Wellens had left and Hunty was taking over the couple of games and then the Forest Green game, and I think Tommy was going to leave and Tommy had pulled me, the, Tommy Wright had pulled me in the Forest Green game and said that he was he was probably going to leave because obviously I think he was going to I think he'd been offered a couple other jobs elsewhere or whatever but uh, so I'd spoke to Noel Hunt I'd spoke to to Steve Anderson regularly and on behalf of the players like I'd put a message in the chat saying listen there'll be no judgement from anyone with like with your answer but does everyone fancy Hunty for the job like would everyone be happy with it because if they are then I'm willing to go and make a case and everyone instantly, yes, yes. Hunty was very popular, very popular. He, uh, under Wellens, he was a great link between the players and the manager. He, but when he took over, Hunty's got a different, he's got a switch on him. He, he, so he just goes, it's that deep Irish accent and you, you kind of switch <laughs> on. So he had the full respect to the place. He, uh, he was coming off a, a manager that was successful, that we had a certain style of play. So he was click, he was tuned into everything. So I had spoke to Steve Anderson, said the players are just can you pass it or the message on to Lee Pillar, Paul Joe, whoever's making decisions that we are as a team are, would, would like Hunt to take over. Listen, in the modern day, what say have we got? Do you know what I mean? But I just thought that it was important that the board knew that we were back in Hunty. But then I think uh, literally that night after the Forest Green game. It had came out that one of the boys had said, "Oh, John Sheridan's went into like one to sixteen or something at the bookies." So when they go to that, you know, it's a set. So I had text Tommy right that night after the game saying, "Is it right enough?" Where John Sheridan he said yes. So Hunty left a couple of weeks later, and it was uh, John Sheridan and Tommy. But we were we were obviously behind behind Hunty for it. Yeah, it's just. Again, as a fan looking in, it, it just seems something of a no-brainer, doesn't it? Because he's on the payroll, he's got the support of the squad, he's got Tommy Wright. It, it just strikes me as the ultimate no-brainer. I don't, I don't see, you know, why you wouldn't want to appease the players, yeah. especially if you're in that situation. Because my point to Steve Anderson was, if you, because we obviously lost the Darlington game, didn't we? Yeah. Said so if you're going to ju- if you're going to judge him on the Darlington, Darlington game, then you've also got to judge him on the Hill game that we beat, who were top of the league at the time. So you can't judge him on Darlington, but completely forget about Hull. I just yeah. think that's the way society is. We always look at the negative rather than the positive. We just beat Hull, who were top of the league at the time. Yeah, we, we had a poor result against Darlington, and it's no excuse, but I know this club's got a terrible record in the FA Cup, don't they? So, so it was, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, we. it was strange because, I'll be honest, I was in it Steve Anderson daily, and and I, cause I got on really well with Hunty and I had spoke to Hunty myself and Hunty had said if, if he does get the job then he'd like me to like get not get involved with him but be a massive help for him because if Tommy had moved on then Hunty would have probably brought someone in probably an older person in to, to help him and yeah at that time as, as I said I asked everyone what they thought and everyone was vouching for Hunty yeah do you think and I, I don't think it's an sort of underrated sort of turning point. But do you think Noel Hunt's exit 
is a major moment in the season where where things sort of might have gone a different way had he stayed at the club. Yeah, yeah, Hunty was influential. He was he was a uh, very popular. As I said, he was the link. Between, nowadays, you need you need a link between the the dressing room and, and the the manager's office. You need a, if uh, if you if you've got like an older school manager like John Sheridan was. As I said, didn't speak much during the week at all. So it's important you've got that. Uh, so we had that under Wellens, but Wellens was very approachable. Was good man manager. So it wasn't as important. But you realised that when it, when he left, we, we needed that. But Hunty was uh, Hunty, I think Hunty wanted to do like a lot of shape and stuff like that. But it, it didn't quite transpire that way. Yeah, you say Sheridan was quiet, sort of audibly quiet in the week. What what, were, what was training generally like in comparison to Wellens under the Sheridan tenure? Uh, different. It was uh, it was definitely different. It was we done a lot of like just like games and and passing and stuff like that. Whereas Wellens we done a lot of done a lot of like tactical work and and detailed stuff. Uh, don't get me wrong, there was a few. On a Friday at times under under Sheridan we did do a bit of, bit of shape, but Wellens was proper detailed tactics. But every manager's different. Everyone is different. I've worked under managers that don't do much. I've worked under managers that do a lot, but everyone's different. It's a it's a much politer way of uh, describing it than Tyler Smith's. Um, it was like park football school goals. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I've still I know I've still got respect for people. I don't um, you know it's like you, you end up saying something that's all over the place, and you, you look up. As if it's so grapes, and I don't want to come across like that. No, no, not at all, and I don't want you to either. Look, your your aspirations for the future are very driven towards coaching and managing, and you know, I don't think you'll be the first to admit that Swindon Town would be very much high on on that list of teams that, for some reason, you'd like to manage one day. What yeah. sort What sort of experience did you get this year? Did you get much opportunity to coach and get involved, or were you just very much player mode? Uh, no, I was very much player mode, but there was times where there would be five, ten minutes of a session where the manager or Tommy would shout, "Cads, go and take the lads for five minutes and do a, a drill in the corner and stuff like that. So it was more stuff like that, but the more it went on this year, the more I tried to take a like a an acceptance that I wasn't going to play every week. So I accepted that. So I thought to myself, right, what's the next best thing for me? So the next best thing for me was to try and help as many people as I possibly could, try and just try and keep a bit of calmness, just a bit of love, put a, a give a few a cuddle and arm around them. Uh no, I didn't do much coaching to be honest. Just the the little five or ten minutes at times, and it was uh, it was very little. But it was it was something I'm I'm definitely interested in. I would love to do. I, I love uh, I love studying games. I love the tactics side of football. And as you said, Swindon would definitely be up there on the high end of my list. I think what really impressed me, you know, was when Richie Wellens resigned. Your in your you know and people don't know this but I do your instant reaction was to watch footage of the, the opposition just in case that you were to be asked you know just in case that you needed help yeah. I mean you know that 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 was your go to sort of thing wasn't it Yeah because at the time obviously Hunty Tommy and Wellens had a successful 
time at the club. So the three of them came together, and I, who was to know that the three of them were to leave together? So you're thinking, well, if they if they the three leave together, then we've literally got no one left. So someone's going to have to do something. So at the time, I just thought, well, let's uh, we had we had a chance uh, the Oxford game when all of them were out, and I think Frenchy and Frenchy and Brett at the time, because Frenchy, we'd done shape the day before and Frenchy was on the bench. So Fren- the gaffer had said to Frenchy to be at the side to take the game and Brett was going to be, he was injured as well, so Brett was going to come. And uh, I'd done a bit of like, we, we went out and Frenchy done a bit of shape, but spoke beforehand and stuff like that. So yeah, we watched the, we watched that one, but when, when Wellens had left, yeah, just the natural instinct was to, if anyone's needed, then the more often than not they look to the older lads. And at that time, it was myself, uh, Groundsy, Brett, Pittman, and Frenchy, and obviously Granty as well. This the kind of older ones. So I just thought, let's be as best prepared as we possibly can if if all happens. Yeah. On a positive side, we beat Oxford once. Yeah, I set them up for a goal, though, didn't I? <laughs> You weren't very that, good, were you? Oh, jeez. No. That was me playing centre-mid after. I already said I didn't. They asked me before, have you played centre-mid much? And I said, yeah, I played centre-mid for a season in the Championship and nearly got Birmingham relegated. So, you want to go off that then? Uh, no, but, yeah, we beat them. You're right. I mean, it's kind of a, a, an island... Or like it's like an oasis, isn't it, of um of paradise amongst like a very very poor season. But I mean, full time way home. That must that must have been a nice a nice a nice day. Yeah, yeah, it was nice, very nice because uh, it's first I had beat them. To be honest, uh, with Swindon we lost a two and we won the league. Uh, yeah, it was very nice, very nice, and then. The home game, even the home game, we should have probably had a better chance of winning. Obviously, Brett missed the penalty, but their man should have been sent off for the tackle on Leiden. So that would even things up a bit. But listen, there's no point going back and talking about things like that. What's done is done. But yeah, it was probably the shining light of a dreadful season. Yeah, um, we had no right winning that game, which was nice because that's, that's it's been pretty much every scenario for Swindon against Oxford in recent years that you know, no matter how well we play. We seem seem to find a way to uh, mess it up, but you know Oxford should have been, you know, we should be dead and buried um, until the and then in the last five minutes we went and got and scored two goals. That was nice. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, fitness was something that was pointed, you know, in your direction or the lack thereof. But I, I know that was something that really annoyed you throughout the season because you know that was something that you sort of defended yourself quite a lot um, was your fitness, wasn't it? Rich, from the age of 18, my fitness has been, if you ask me to run around the pitch five times in, in the space of 15 minutes, I'll absolutely hate it. If you ask me to play two 90-minute games back-to-back, I'll do it, no problem. <laughs> I've always There's a difference between fitness and match fitness. I've always been match fit, always. I'll get to a level that I know that I can get to. Uh, Richie Wellens just to, like was always sent to me in pre-season just get to the level you know that you need to so it's just about trusting but I've always listen I've not got an, 
I've not got a body image and a shape of a modern day footballer, but that's how I am and that's how I've always been. And uh, listen, everybody can always get fitter. I get that we always can, but it <laughs> uh, was uh, no, I was I was always match match fat match sharp. Well, yeah. match fat. I also miss baggier football shirts. You know. Yeah, so they are. The tight ones are dreadful. Oh my goodness, Puma man! Just you buy a shirt, you got to go two sizes up to make you feel better in life. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Tell me about it. <laughs> no, I think I need to tell you about it because I am not in good shape. Um, you know, I probably miss so much stuff, but let's go to the the tail end, really, because because of what happened to you in January, I guess being released at the end of the season is no major shock. You know, there's been a lot of things that have come out since the retain list was issued, the manner in which players were told, you know, one of the lads, Anthony Cheshire, you know, found out um, when the list was announced on social media. Was it done? And I know you'll, you'll be as respectful as you can be. Was it done in the right way? Uh, in short, no, no, it wasn't. Listen, it was with all due respect to Steve Mildenhall. Mildy's got the club at heart. Mildy was left to do everything, a goalie coach left to do to make all those horrible phone calls to tell people. So it was Mildy that phoned everyone, which I don't think is right. If there's Steve Anderson's the chief exec, Paul Joe's there, I don't know. It's, I know we don't have a manager at the time, but it's uh, no, I'd. I'd I don't think it was ideal, and I am not surprised about the Anthony Cheshire thing. Maybe I know the club have now come out since and said that they tried to phone him, but you're just letting someone go. You're letting someone go of the job. Keep phoning them until you get an answer. Not, I'm not talking about Mildy here. I'm talking about people upstairs. Keep phoning them. Give them the respect they deserve. Because I tell you what, Massimo Giamatti, uh, Harry Parsons, and Massimo eh, Chesh. More so Massimo and Chess were with us regularly, training, never a problem, worked their nuts off every day, attitude spot on, never getting close to the squad, and every Saturday when we were playing in the gym, and that's the outcome of it. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it's... It's more difficult for them. I can accept I'm 33, but I've got a, I've got a background that I can always go back to of previous years playing football, etc., these lads haven't. They've got nothing to, to go back on. So it's going to be extremely difficult for them to now go and get another club because they've got no background in football. They've, they've spent a full year and not... I think Massimo... I don't know if Cheshire had played any, but I think Massimo had played 20 minutes in a pre-season friendly against... Eh, pre-season friendly uh, behind closed doors friendly against Cardiff at Cal. And that was it for the full season. It was... I tried my best with the young lads and I've spoke to them since and... and uh, I'll continue to try and if anyone asks me any opinions on young lads and I will try and put their names forward, but it's... No, I don't think it was done properly at all. No, and, and the thing that... And I've said this in several episodes now, but the fact that we're in the situation that we are and especially the, the amount of reviews, positive reviews I've heard about Mass, Giamatti, You've got yeah. to wonder why they just don't keep them around for six months or for a year, given the financial peril that we're in at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Why not? Harry Parsons is obviously going to, I think, is going to get kept, but 
Massimo and, and Chesh, yeah. Why not give them? Why not give them a go at the end of the season? I know I'm not all for it. Listen, I'm I'm against just people just playing for the sake of playing. But particularly Massimo, Massimo was with us regularly. Chesh was was in and out at times, but Massimo has been with us the start of the season. As I said, not a problem. Spot on attitude. Great kid. Always wants to listen. Always wants to learn. So even bring him on the bench for a couple of games when when there's lads getting on the bench that we know shouldn't be. There's lads that are getting on the pitch we know shouldn't be. So it's difficult to swallow because these lads are working hard daily and by default they're not making the bench. And I think that's why we lost Luke Haynes at the start of the year, wasn't it? Because his pathway was shut out by yeah. politics. I mean, you know, you, you, we're dancing around the situation here, but we, we know what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, but, it's, listen, there's been an elephant in the room that's never been able to get addressed, let's say that. Do you think it ever will? It's always been a kid. Uh, no, I don't think it can. <laughs> I know we're dancing around about here, but no, I don't think... How can you address it? I don't know. What, what, was, what was that experience like? Have you ever experienced the fact that we have a, we have a footballer who is on the bench week in, week out, and playing sometimes above you know, ahead of players like yourself um, from the bench. Sometimes I think a few players, I think Joel Grant was def- definitely bumped out of the squads for Taylor Curran um, during the season. Several players, several players that, you know, can potentially change games. Now, I've had Taylor Curran on, on this pod. He's a perfectly nice lad. Yeah. And yeah, let me, yeah, let, yeah, to be fair, let's, it's not on. This isn't on Taylor Curran. Taylor Curran's a nice lad. Mm. I'm not saying he doesn't work hard. Works hard. It's not on him at all. I don't think he deserves all the criticism that he's had. I understand football's a it's a criticism based game. I get that, and performances will result in criticism. But it's uh, it's not all on him. It's it's obviously what goes on behind that. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you think the retained lists? And those who didn't, you know, get no one got contract offers apart from two players that are clearly going to be sold or we're going to lose. Was of age, yeah, and and a young a young player who's coming through the the, the youths policy. The fact that only one is coming through again, given the situation, is just unbelievable. Do you yeah. think there was any consideration for the other players beyond budget budgetary? Do you think it was not based on ability that people released? It was purely based on, you know, we have no money to keep you guys here. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Very difficult to answer that because who made the decision? Well, I would, I would assume that, you know, you know, Jewel is the director of what, football operations. Yeah, so. that's what you would guess. So, so, why when why did why we not speak to Paul Jewell when do you know what I mean? Why did he not do the so it's difficult because he, we don't have a manager, so yeah, you'd imagine it'd be Paul Jewell, which is uh, fair enough, but that's the thing, we still don't know who made the decision. Listen, I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about these young lads and yeah. other lads that might have thought because I I knew the writing was on the wall for me after what we spoke about in January and performance wise I would have I never deserved a, a new deal, so I, get, I, I totally get that. But these young lads, and even the likes of, like, I'm trying to think who's more than... Like, Tom Broadbent's not blessed with loads and loads of games of football. So people like that, where 
have not got a massive background, if you know what I mean, in, in football and loads of games behind their belt. So, uh, yeah, listen, it's difficult. It's not ideal, but it is what it is. Uh, I'm trying to be as respectful as I possibly can. It's not going to be sure grapes from me. Uh, but it wasn't wasn't ideal circumstances, for sure. It wouldn't be so grapes if, if, for example, you said that if they said stick around next year, here's a is a contract offer that's maybe a deduction. Would you consider it? Sure, yeah. I'd be silly not to, yeah. I definitely would. I would like, listen, there's no denying it. I would like to still be there, but uh, and understand that it would be more of a, uh, I don't know, do you get a deal on being good around the place? I don't know. Of course you do. I mean, are you not sort of, being harsh on yourself there because you know we're going down to league two you know there is there is a dip in I I don't even want to word it in a way that makes me sound like you're no good because that's simply not true no no yeah listen I'm a being yeah probably I'm being harsh on myself that's where I've always been and that's the drive I've always had being harsh on myself and I've never ever got to a stage where I thought I've been comfortable even when I was my last time at Swindon, even when I was at Birmingham, I always I was never comfortable. So yeah, I think that's just the way I've been the full seat, uh, the full my full career. But listen, I'm I'm not writing myself off by any by any imagination. I, I know I can still do a job. I'm, I'm 33, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not 38. Do you know what I mean? I can I can still do a job. I might not be able to play 46 games in a in a season, and that's understandable. That happens when you get older and. I find that difficult because I've always played regularly, but I'm coming to terms with that. And as I said earlier, the best way for me to come to terms with, with not playing is what's the, as a, I just sat down and I said, what's the next best thing? Try and be as best as I possibly can for, for players. Try and see the other side of the game now. Try and see it through a coach's eyes. Try and see it through a manager's eyes. What would they want from me? What would I want if I was a manager from a, a 33-year-old? Do you know what I mean? I just try and think of that other side. And I was always ready to play because I was always training regularly. I was training hard. I wasn't. I would never ever, as, as the same football, sack it off. I would never had too much respect for my teammates or too much respect for the club. I would never do that. So, yeah, I might have been harsh on myself, but that's just the way we have always been. It always strikes me quite incredible that given, you know, you've had two brilliant highs at Swindon, you know, winning League Two twice, but the tail end or its conclusion have both been absolute train wrecks, yet you, you still hold the club in such high regard. Um, I just don't understand. Yeah, listen, the club have been I've had unbelievable times. It's, I was thinking the other day, I've, I've been obviously relegated twice with the club, unfortunately, but I've been promoted twice and won the league twice. So those highs won't be any less because of those lows, if you know what I mean, and the lows won't be any better off because of the highs that all in their own manner the, the highs were unbelievable the lows were, were terrible so yeah I've always I think a club like Swindon if you more often than not in football if you run about you work hard you'll be accepted it's simple everyone ability comes after that but if, if you don't work hard then ability is useless to be honest yeah do you worry about Swindon Town? Uh, well, yeah, you've got it right now. As I said earlier, we don't have 
the club don't have have they got enough players might have enough players to field a team and no manager there's behind the scenes that people won't see there's no sports science department there's no there's no uh, physio department my favourite one is we've got a goalkeeper coach but no goalkeepers yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that we've got a goalie coach with no goalies there was times where actually we, we, the sports scientists had left and myself and Brett were, were taking warm ups and stuff like that yeah. So there was that, so going back to it, actually, there was that added uh, responsibility on the, the flip side. Obviously, Tommy had to deal with, when, especially when John Sheridan had left, Tommy had to deal with on-pitch stuff and training and stuff like that. So myself and Brett Pittman in particular were taking taking warm-ups. More, uh, I think it was a Peterborough game at home. We took the warm-up before that. I took the warm-up before MK Dons. Uh, so yeah, I had a little bit of that on the other side. Yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, I'm a worry, yeah, yeah. Like everybody else, yeah. Worrying times is doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes, but when you don't have a manager and you don't have a lot of players, then of course you're gonna to have to worry. So what next for Paul Caddis? No idea. Absolutely no idea. Back to uh, just trying to trying to get out there, trying to get get another club. And I think I seen the other day that we get emails from the PFA every every month, and I think there's between six and seven hundred players out of contract. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to be it's going to be difficult uh, after a horrendous year with with COVID as well. But uh, I'm just hopeful that I'm at a stage now where I've got enough, enough people in the game that I know that I can that I can try and be a be a help and a positive effect because I know I'll, you get an agent especially now after that year we've had with COVID, everyone will want to go young now, they want to go young players to try and try and make money because it's a business at the end of the day and I understand that, but I'm a big believer in you need older, experienced pros to to maximise a young player's potential, albeit you need a manager, but of course, but you need you need teammates in there to help you and and uh, hopefully I can I can bring that to, to someone as well. Yeah. Me too. Okay, well, I think that that's pretty much it. Um, we got to end it somehow on a good note. How, how can we do that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's been a horrendous <laughs> year, isn't it? Last night, let's just say I've obviously it wasn't great the way it ended, but I've had two fantastic... Going back to when people say never go back, never go back to the club, Clear, I'm not a believer on it. It never works out the way it does. Well, I went back and good enough, I got relegated, but also won, won something there as well. So, uh, no, listen, hopefully it's a, hopefully it's not a, a goodbye and it's a see you later in a couple of years' time when I'm hopefully in, want to be a manager and you never know, it's a club that I'll always keep an eye out for. I'll keep in contact with a lot of people and uh, definitely when there's fans back in the ground and stuff like that. I'll, when we're able to I'll, I'll definitely get to games and stuff like that as well that is as good as way I think we're going to end it Paul a pleasure as always thank you very much no problem thank you The Low Strangers is an independent podcast views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club the music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore thanks for listening come on Swindon <laughs>
Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.